You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Okay, why don't you uh, open your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to go back there. We're in a series, and for those of you who are visiting with us, we've been in this series. This is about the fifth week, actually. I tend to teach in uh, various lengths of series. And um, so we're talking about, the title is, What Am I Thinking? We're talking about dealing with our thought life and why. And the Bible has an awful lot to say about that. Uh, we started last week, we started into these verses in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Uh, we're going to continue there uh, this morning. And I will just give you a little bit of background today. We've been, we've been talking about um, the way that the Bible lays out the fact that the, the things that we choose to think on, to meditate on, the, the thoughts that we choose to nurture. We all know we've got thoughts thrown at us from every different direction. Some of them godly, many of them not. And we get to choose which ones of those we ingest and nurture on the inside of us. And those thoughts that we nurture the most build up in our hearts the most. And then Jesus said that out of the abundance, what's in abundance in our hearts, then the mouth speaks. We looked at a lot of verses. We spent a lot of time on uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, talking about the fact that the word of God uh, serves in one of the things it does is it separates and analyzes our thoughts and gives us the opportunity to accept and nurture or reject various kinds of thoughts. And the reason that all this is so important is because what's going to come out of our hearts, what builds up in our hearts, what we have, what builds up in our hearts, we put trust in. There is a treasure in every one of our hearts. And it's built out of the things that we are receiving and taking in, the, the thought systems that we are building on the inside of us. And Jesus said, out of that flow the words of our mouths. And then the scripture tells, I'll just read through this quick list again this morning, that we find that our lives today have primarily been shaped by the things that we have believed and believed to such a degree that we've spoken them out with faith. In fact, I was thinking about this this morning again. The way every one of you who is born again this morning, all right, how did we receive Jesus? A revelation came at some point that, that he is who he said he was. The word of God went off on the inside of you and you recognized him as Lord and Savior. But the scripture tells us that we believe with the heart and confess with the mouth and that's how we receive Jesus. Even your salvation is based on the process of believing something in your heart and then confessing what you're, with your mouth what you have believed in your heart. And that principle works, positive or negative. Let me just read these quickly. We saw Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. We dug into that verse for a while. Proverbs 12.14 says, From the fruit of a man's lips, he is filled with good things as surely as the work of his hands rewards him. 
Uh, we haven't looked at this one, but everybody's favorite is Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We laid out scripture after scripture after scripture. And of course, you can go back and you can get those uh, teachings through our podcast. Go to our website, you can get the podcast, you can get the uh, YouTube videos, however you like to do that. And I'd really encourage you to stay in, I think this is a truth that God is reemphasizing to us as, as a people uh, right now. So we, we left off last week, we started talking about the fact that the Bible calls these deeply ingrained thought patterns that all of us have, it speaks of them as strongholds. And I believe that we can either be building positive strongholds or negative godly or ungodly strongholds in our life. And so we went to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and we began this, we're going to, uh, hopefully we'll finish up this passage today. Uh, But we began this verse, we looked at the first part of this verse. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not born out of the flesh. They're not flesh ruled. They're not limited to the flesh. They don't just come from humanity is the idea there. But The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And we we looked at that phrase, pulling down strongholds, last week. And then the verse goes on and it says, And casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So last week we talked about, again, this is just review what a stronghold is, the, the term here from the Greek means a castle or a fortress from which a governing authority rules. All right, and we can all get that picture in our minds. There, there is a, a governing authority or personality, and that governing authority or personality works out from a, a, a castle or a fortress, a, a place like that. We can all, you know, think about all the medieval shows that we've watched where the king had his castle. And so, so that's what the word stronghold means. It's an actual place from which the person rules. All right, the person exerts influence. This word is used in the New Testament to describe a strong argument or a theory a thought pattern, a belief. And primarily in the context we're looking at here, it's a, it's a thought pattern, it's a belief, it's a strong argument that's contrary to the word of God. It's contrary to the nature of God. It's a way of thinking. It's a system of thinking that is on the inside of us that is contrary uh, to God and to his word. And so that contrary system of of thought and worldview and all of that type of thing. It certainly involves our emotions. It involves that whole part of our soul. Uh, It becomes a base of operations for the enemy to exert his influence in us and through us to others. And so the scripture says that God has given us weapons that are empowered in him. They're not just human weapons. They're not just fleshly means of dealing with things. He has given us these weapons, and and we will talk about those later, that are mighty through him for pulling down strongholds. And we said that that, uh, term, pulling down, it describes a brick-by-brick demolition of a fortress. 
So again, this part of this verse, are you listening to me? This part of this verse is talking about taking apart the thought system. It's not even dealing with the personality behind it yet. It's saying brick by brick. God is going to work in us to take apart ways of thinking that we have developed through our life. And we, we all have them. We all have things that, that we need. And, you know, the Bible calls it the renewing of the mind. It is part of what the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are doing in Christians as we grow, as we develop, as we get to d- disciple. You know, the essence of repentance the, the basic term of repentance means to change your mind, to change your thinking. And we've all grown up. I, even if you grew up in a really good Christian household, we're still in this world. You know, we are still inundated with world's ideas and things that are what's acceptable, what isn't acceptable, what's, what's fruitful, what isn't, you know, what attitudes we're supposed to hold. It's all around us. And the Lord wants to build in us thought systems and belief systems that are in agreement with who he is because through that, through that development, through that renewing of the mind, he expresses himself through us. And that's, I think, one of the most dramatic things I can say. You know, my brother was here last week and we talked about some things when when we visited Karen's brother a while back. I mean, those are people... You know, that her brother in particular, we were very close earlier in my life and before I really got serious about the Lord. And we were talking about, you know, we were talking about things or I was talking about things in me that have been just a complete, to me, miraculous transformation of the way that I think about life, look at people. All of you, I know all of you have experienced this as you're, walking with God. I think some of the biggest miracles we see is the transformation of heart that the Lord does in us. And that's what this is talking about. And it's a, it's a systematic process. It's not that the Lord just comes in one day and bulldozes the fortress. This word describes a brick by brick taking apart of this base of operations uh, that the devil might be trying to use in our lives. So we gave a lot of examples last week. I don't want to go back through all that. You know, many people grow up with uh, a sense of shame in their heart that becomes a stronghold. And and what that means is shame. And and of course, that's an identity issue. It's a who I am issue. Colors, everything. I mean, every everything that comes into their life kind of comes through this prism of of shame in their life. Or some people grow up with fear, just being a stronghold on the inside of them. They grow up in a family where it's so emphasized to to fear everything around them that they view the world as a threat. They view everyone around them as a threat. Um, People grow up with a, a, a mindset of poverty and that God wants them uh, to live in poverty. I'm not talking about just growing up in poverty. I'm talking about getting something on the inside of you where you feel unworthy of any gift, any promotion, any anything that goes on in your life. It becomes a, a stronghold. You, you start to, uh, many of those people grow up with a, a real strong hoarding mentality because they're just never sure. They're, they view everything in life as 
through the eyes of lack. There's never going to be enough. I'm just, and I know, you know, my parents' generation, you know, and, and this is just an example. I'm not being, I, I'm not being critical here. You know, they grew up during the depression and they grew up during World War II and they grew up during all the recovery from that. And it makes perfect sense. It had a huge impact on their hearts and they weren't, um, my parents were not stingy people at all. Karen's parents were not uh, stingy in that sense, but they did tend to hoard things. They did tend to always had in the back of the mind, there might never be enough. Well, that's how strongholds work in people. And there, there's such a wide variety of things that we could talk about. And thank God, the Lord wants to to move us out of that, to tear that way of thinking down brick by brick and make us free, essentially. So we looked at this first part of the of the verse and I, th- I think it's important to remember and, and we're going to jump over, you can go there to Colossians chapter 2, if you would, Colossians chapter 2. Our culture, and I've said this to you a bunch of different ways, our culture does not put much emphasis on what we think, what our thought life is about. I'm talking about education. I'm talking about looking at our thought life and recognizing some of what we're talking about today. Our culture doesn't put much emphasis on our thoughts, on our thought life, or on our words. Uh, we are actually encouraged to think about every every opinion, every ideology, to be very accepting, to to not ever stand up and say, no, that's an ideology, that's a way of thinking that will not enter into this temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not mad at the people. I don't hate the people. In fact, that's what we're being told, is if you disagree with somebody, you hate them. Well, that's just not true, number one. But there, in Christianity, there is a place, the Bible says, the Word of God judges our thoughts. And we saw that that meant marks them for acceptance or rejection. Okay, so it's okay for us to reject thoughts that come that are ungodly. We absolutely should. It's called guarding your heart. Okay, and to very actively receive thoughts that are coming from the Lord. But our culture is very much, uh, you know, many of us and our, and our kids are being brought up with the idea that, no, that's, that's wrong. You, can, you can't say that a certain way of thinking is godly or ungodly. Well, we've got to get past that as believers. We've got to understand, and we've got to be able to keep our hearts clean. We've got, but, but the point is, we need to put a lot of emphasis on what we're thinking, how we're thinking, what we're thinking about, what we're inviting into our hearts. It's, the Lord puts a lot of emphasis on that. So for us personally, it's very important to realize thoughts and thought systems are, are really important. So over in Colossians chapter 2, are you with me so far? Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. And this is from the Amplified Bible, what I have up there. Here's what Paul said. Uh, he said, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble. I love that. 
according to the tradition and musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth and the teachings of Christ. The New Living Translation there puts it this way. It says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from, notice this wording, that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. These are philosophies that come from human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world. Not talking about the Holy Spirit there. Human thinking coupled with and together with the spiritual powers of this world. That's an important phrase right there. It, it tells us that spiritual powers want to reside in and influence through human thinking, thoughts, ideas, ideologies that we come up with. That's how lifestyles are built. That's how worldviews are built. That's how strongholds are built. So Paul's warning believers here, and he's warning them about certain very popular philosophies that were held in the day. It says, don't let anyone capture you through empty philosophy or philosophies. All right, it's not talking about a college course here, okay? It's not talking about a, a study of human thought even. It's talking about certain, we might use the term ideologies, uh, that were flowing around at the time, that were explaining God, explaining people, explaining relationships, explaining life on earth, you know, that type of type of thing. And these were being presented to people. And Paul is saying, those philosophies can take you captive. They can capture you. So first of all, let's look at this. He says, see to it. You wouldn't think that's any big deal, that little phrase, see to it. That comes from the Greek word blepo, I love that word. Let's all say it, blepo. Isn't that good? Anyway, it, the blepo uh, describes the ability to see or regaining the ability to see. It's used in some places in the scripture or a derivative of it is where uh, someone's eyes were healed and all of a sudden their eyes were opened. All of a sudden they could see again. You know, they had the ability to see again. And Paul comes along and, and that's what he's saying to him. He, he's, he's saying, hey, you're believers. Have your eyes open. Okay, he's saying, don't be so blind. Open, to your eyes, open your eyes to what's really going on here. I had a seventh grade teacher that used to, this was, of course, back in the Stone Age. Uh, she used to always say, wake up and smell the coffee, you know. And, and that's, kind of the, that's kind of what Paul's saying here. He's coming to believers and he's saying, hey, open your eyes to what's going on here. And he's, and he's saying, use your spiritual senses, recognize the source behind these worldly ideas. They're, they're from human thinking and the spiritual forces of this, of this earth. Of, of, uh, you know, de- demonic, the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world or this world system. So there's something behind these, um, how can I say it? These philosophies, these ideologies, these thoughts that, that we, we too are inundated with, they're not innocuous. They're not harmless. It's not like they're, oh, they're just innocent. They don't carry any power. I can think about it. I can talk. You know, I can let them come out of my mouth. I can, you know, do whatever. I can kind of toy with all of this stuff. He's saying don't do that. 
He's saying, open your eyes to what's really going on here, believers. And that's just in that, in that uh, you know, in that first little see to it, okay? So these aren't there, the thoughts that are thrown at us all the time. Uh, they're not there just by accident. They, just, they don't just happen to be uh, floating around in the earth. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive. All right, that, that phrase takes captive. It means to be carried away as the spoils of war. It means to, to capture an enemy and carry them away into slavery. And that's what he's saying here, that the, these philosophies that are floating around, they have the ability to capture and enslave you, to lead somebody off as captured prey. Or this term can also be used of a kidnapping. Okay, a kidnapping. So it means that through, through philosophies, through ideologies, through uh, that type of thing, thoughts, it is the, the devil's coming in to try and kidnap you out of your life in Christ. That makes sense to you. That's really strong language when you think about it. That term is used figuratively sorry, of the destructive effects of false teachings that rob believers of the complete riches available in Christ and revealed in the gospel. So we can see all this and then we have to think about it because we are assigned to the world. We are assigned to be in the world, but not of the world. We are assigned to reflect Christ to the world. We are assigned to be in places. Um, We're not being told here, look, separate yourself from everybody who doesn't think like you do. Everybody who doesn't go to church, separate yourself. That is not the message here. So this is going to take the wisdom of God and it's going to take us having our eyes open to the, to the strategies that the devil tries to use, to the strategies that he wants to use. We have to understand that the thoughts that we nurture are going to make a difference in our life, in our posture, in our ministry, because every one of us have a ministry. And, and we are not to go off somewhere and, and live as a sect in the mountains and not influence the world. Okay, so we've got to be discerning enough to be able to think about things and recognize things and and be able to walk through all of that type of thing, but not bring into our hearts ungodly, un, uh, things that disagree and are contrary to the word and the nature of God. We can't allow those into our hearts, and yet we've got to minister to people right there. And that's why we have to know who we are and what we believe and why Jesus did what he did and why he's doing who he is today, what he is doing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. That the same Jesus that walked the earth is walking the earth in you and I. And we've got to be able to communicate truth in love, wrapped up in love. Does this make sense to you? So there's some, you know, there's some wisdom that we need uh, in all of these. Let me, I want to keep defining some of this for you this morning. This term philosophy, again, it's not a college class, okay? It refers to human ideas and beliefs about the universe, God, humanity, the way life works, all right? 
These ideas were held and presented with a religious fervor. What Paul's talking about here is what the word meant to them. These were ideas that were human ideas, but they were presented as truth. They were presented with a religious fervor. Do we ever see that today? There are all kinds of ideas being put out there that are presented with a religious fervor. If you don't believe this, you're a bad person. If you don't look at it the way I look at it, you're a bad person. You know, and and we all kinds of names get attached uh, to people for that. These beliefs were rooted in man's, this is just definition for you, were rooted in man's intellect alone apart from God's wisdom and presented as facts that any educated individual would accept as truth without question. All right. And, and we've, we feel that today. Well, if you were, you're just poorly educated, that's why you don't accept all the tenets of Darwinism, all the tenets of humanism, all the tenets of relativism. It's because you're ignorant. It's because you're, you know. So we get that kind of the same thing. Nothing's changed, all right? Those are, those are what Paul's talking about with philosophies. He's saying, don't you be captured by them. Don't you be taken captive. There's a lot of peer pressure that goes along uh, with these kind of philosophies as they're uh, thrown around today. And he, and he says, so uh, don't be captured by these philosophies that are according to the traditions of men. All right, so, so one more here. These are human ideologies that were, this is what this phrase traditions of men means. Human ideologies that were repeated over and over and over and over from one person to the next until they were picked up and accepted by the masses as truth, okay? Do we see that today? I mean, that's a major, and I will say on both sides, a major political strategy today is to say something that's not true, particularly not truth, over and over and over and over. It doesn't matter how many facts are presented to, to undo that. It's just said over and over and over because for many people, once they hear it enough times, they'll accept it. And once they feel that masses are accepting it, they'll accept it. So I say all that uh, not to point at any certain thing other than, you know, human beings are the same, beginning to end. So one thing I love about the scripture, it points out our best and our worst. And it points out who God is in the middle of all of that and how kind he is and how redeeming he is and how, you know, how he works with all of us that are so imperfect. Let me read you one more. The Passion Translation here says, they are filled with endless arguments of human logic for they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world, not on the anointed truth of Christ. So, The whole point, the reason we went through that verse is just to show you again what we choose to accept and to nurture and think on. We're not exempt from this process. We need to be aware. We need to have our eyes open to what's going on around us. So let's go back to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 again and just uh, begin in verse 5. We'll go back and, and hopefully get through the rest of this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
We already, again, talked about what pulling down strongholds means. It's talking about a brick by brick, piece by piece, demolition of thought systems that we have in our, in our, on the inside of us. Okay? So in verse 5 then, I told you this last week, he comes down and he talks about pulling down strongholds. And then he says the same weapons are empowered, are mighty through God for casting down uh, this translation says arguments. Some of your translations say imaginations. This term casting down is related to the term pulling down, but it has a different emphasis. So he says, first of all, you have weapons that are mighty through God for the brick-by-brick brick destruction of a thought system that, that we've developed, that we've got on the inside of us. Then he says, that same weaponry is mighty through God for casting down. And that means that word is used to describe or to dethrone a personality, a prince or other authority and remove them from power. So now the scripture starts to talk about, okay, we're tearing down the castle. Now we're going to go in and get the one who is ruling from there. Does that make sense to you? Same weapons, they'll do both. That tells me it's not enough to do one or the other. We need to recognize, and we can do that out of Colossians chapter 2, that, hey, there are spiritual powers behind these thoughts. They're not out there by accident. And then we're going to work with the Lord and let him work in us to change the way we think so that the thought system from which he's been ruling is torn down. Just do not think that way anymore. And that wasn't just done through my human... Uh, ability trying to resist that it wasn't just that there's a there's a divine power at work the holy spirit is working with the word of god to pull down that thought system that i've held and i'm telling you this doesn't happen overnight this is something when the lord begins to well let me even go outside of that i love the way the lord addresses our hearts and the way that he is so good at First of all, revealing that we're thinking a certain way that doesn't line up with the way he thinks. And then at transforming that, and he's so patient with it, and he's so, he's so good at reminding us after he brings revelation, he starts to show us that, you know, I don't think about people that way. I think about people this way. And, he begin, and so it's not just, oh, okay, cool. I'll think that way too. It's too ingrained for that. But as we continue to give ourselves to him, to his word, to the spirit, one thought by one thought by one thought, he breaks that apart and he takes it down and he changes who we are from the inside. And pretty soon we really don't think. It's not just that we decided not to think this way. We no longer think about whatever certain uh, other people uh our job, our business, our, the calling on our life, our marriage, our friends, you know, we, we literally do not think that way anymore to the point where sometimes we'll run into a situation or a person or whatever, and, and they're thinking the way we used to think, and it's like, oh yeah, that's, right. that's the first time I've realized I don't think that way anymore. I mean, it's that transformational. I'm not sure how to say it. It's like, wow, that has changed on the inside of me. I didn't know that. You know, I didn't even realize that God had taken it that far. Does this make sense to you? Yeah. So 
he says here that we have these weapons given to us for casting down the king the new king james says arguments okay and and again what it means is these weapons will dethrone a personality and remove them from power in our life all right um here's an example of of that the uh, the idea here is that when we allow thought patterns and emotions and things like that just to go unchecked, we just, and, and again, we're kind of being taught to do that, that, well, if I feel it, that's who I am. You're not, you are not what you feel. You are who Christ has redeemed you to be. You are who God says you are. We talked about this last week, about separating fact from truth, separating the natural from a higher spiritual reality that is in Christ. And so uh, we we can come along and, and we can have feelings, but we can understand that those feelings are not, they don't define who I am. But if we allow those things to just kind of go unchecked, then our thoughts and our feelings and our, our worldview can become a place uh, for a demonic personality to exercise influence in us and through us. I'm not talking about being possessed here. I'm talking about influence. All right, so let me just give you this example. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. And this is from the New Living. It says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. All right, so he says, don't, don't sin by letting anger control you. All of us are going to experience anger. But I don't become anger. I don't allow anger to take up residence and authority in me. I don't, I don't I'm saying, maybe I should say this about you, you know, because sometimes I do. But, you know, the point is we're not to allow anger, not to let a new day start. Remember, sun going down is a new day for the Jews. Don't let a new day start without getting that anger off the throne. If we're having, you know, we often talk about unforgiveness. We talk about bitterness. We talk about those things that will, will rule in our lives if we allow them. And it's like, well, how do, I, how do I know that? I know that because every thought that I have about this person I may not be thinking angry thoughts toward them anymore, but I'm probably thinking self-justifying thoughts, why I'm right and why they're wrong, okay? If I'm still moving in, in unforgiveness, if I haven't really, instead of my thoughts being, God bless them today, okay, that's when I know that my mind has been renewed, is when I no longer have any sting of anything, I just want the best for them, even though they have, hurt me or they have made me angry. Okay. So the scripture's saying, don't allow that process to go on because by doing that, we give a foothold to the devil. We give him a place. So again, it's the same idea. This stuff's important. This is how the devil who is defeated and has no right to work in any of our lives can actually work through us if we start a day still holding a grudge. If we, if we don't pray through, do whatever's necessary to release and get rid of anger and unforgiveness and bitterness, that kind of thing. Does that make sense to you? All right. So the fact that we have these two things said to us, 
The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, tearing apart the thought system and casting down arguments, dethroning the personality. That tells me it's not enough to only resist the devil in a certain area. I need to have my mind renewed too. And it's not enough to only try on my own to change the way I think about something. I also need to realize and to deal with, to resist the devil and make him flee from me. All right, so both of those things are in this verse. We need to, we need to take up spiritual weapons toward both of these things. That makes sense to you, all right? It's also not enough when we're dealing with these things. A lot of us, we kind of learn to do this by um, gutting it out, by uh, self-will. You know, okay, I'm just not going to think that thought anymore. I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to... Uh, and and that's a part of it. But we need to actually employ the weapons that the Lord has given us that have the power to change us on the inside. What we need is not just to resist a way of thinking. We need it to be replaced. We need it to be replaced with God's way of thinking. The only way that happens is when we're spending time with him in his word, with the Holy Spirit, and and really just actively receiving, meditating the word of God, running it over and over in our thoughts. Whenever the Holy Spirit says, oh, you're thinking this way again, you're approaching this this way again, we just go back to him. It's not condemnation. We go back to him and we say, yes, Lord, I need to be free from this situation. Okay, so I'm just going to list a few of these out to you just kind of quickly this morning because I, I want to give you a few more definitions this morning. Uh, you know, this idea of spiritual weapons, we already said repentance is one of them. And that doesn't mean just feeling sorry. It means changing our mindset, agreeing with the Lord. It means change your mind, turn 180 degrees away from thinking a certain way and onto another one. We think of repentance being about behavior, but until we change the way we think, we'll never change uh, the way that we act. Worship is one of these spiritual weapons. We fill our thoughts with God and his goodness. We worship him. We spend time magnifying him. We spend time fellowshipping with him, in devotional prayer with him. We, we spend time on purpose being saturated with him. And we do, we do it on purpose. And it's a, it's a spiritual weapon that will liberate you. We find freedom a lot of times uh, during times of worship. Thanksgiving. Giving thanks on purpose. When you're, when you're dealing with something in life, always remembering that God is good and declaring that God is good. Fixating on the goodness of God rather than the lousiness of the situation or whatever that might be uh, in your life. Thanksgiving is a powerful weapon. Forgiveness, we talked about that a little bit. Release my enemy and shut down the movie that's playing in my head. The movies that go on in our mind, thoughts turn into imaginations, which are thoughts with movies. And when we start, when we get to that level in something and we're letting something just circulate in our thinking, circulate in our thinking, 
that is a place where strongholds are built in us. And most of the time, the movie is fiction. It, it goes places that are not real. That goes places that uh, about another person or their emotions or their, you know, or, or how an event will play out. If I do this, this will happen, that kind of thing. That movie starts playing almost all the time. They're inaccurate. They're wrong. But boy, they will lead us down a road. And that's where forgiveness can shut down that movie. We begin to see ourselves loving that person. See ourselves praying for that person. All right? Meditating the Word. Praying in the Holy Spirit. All of these things are God. They're they're weapons that God has given us that are powerful to change our thought life and therefore our direction. All right? Let me try and finish this up for you. So, So this part of this verse says, casting down arguments. And again, we're talking about dethroning the enemy in arguments. This word arguments means imaginations. All right. It it literally speaks of a thought that has been considered and calculated to the point where it begins to create a movie in our head. And the Greek here says this is a calculation that immediately precedes action immediately precedes action. By the time we are building this movie and we are listening to the, you know, we're watching ourselves in it, we're watching others in it, we're watching the situation play out, we're doing this on our own, it's our own set of set of thoughts, we are about to act. We will not be able to stand with that very long before we begin to, if it's a, if it's a forgiveness situation, we start to build a little army to agree with us. You know, we start to talk about the other person. We start to, uh, we, we get on the internet and we just can't wait to write something. We just can't resist, you know. We've got to, we, we go through all these things. When we get to this point, we are just about to act, all right? Um, are you doing okay? All right. A little bit more. The Amplified Bible here says, inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings, that's where we start tying thoughts together, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. This word refute means to deny the truth or accuracy of an argument or line of reasoning to prove an argument wrong by presenting a greater truth. That's exactly what we need to do in this situation. We need to, I think, on the inside, in our hearts, but then with our words, we reject a feeling, a way of thinking. We begin to reject that knowing just because it is ungodly. It is not how God would want us to feel and act in this situation, even if the natural facts are true, that doesn't so much matter as how we're responding to them. We want to respond the way Christ would respond to the situation. So when we, when the Lord shows us that we are off base on this, we're picking up a thought system, we're picking up, we're building a movie, we're doing whatever, we need to refute that. We, we not only reject what we've been thinking, and repent of that, but we replace it with what Christ would be thinking in that situation. That thought has to be replaced with what I have acknowledged as a higher truth. All right? 
attacking my enemy. No, I refute that in Jesus' name and I replace that with the thought of loving my enemy. Lord, how can I love them the best? Lord, show me their heart. Show me what's going on in their world. What, Lord, how can I serve? How can I bless? How can I, you get what I'm saying? So we, that's a part of refuting is we're going to present a greater truth. All right. We reject the authority of a fact to supersede truth. All right, an argument in our mind and imagination is not refuted until we replace it with the truth. We replace it with what the word says. All right, just going to wrap this up. You know, it talks about every high thing, right, that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And we're just going to wrap this up and leave it here. It says to bring our thoughts into captivity. And it says our reasonings, which that's, that's tough because we've reasoned it out. We've, we've justified ourselves. We've come to this conclusion. And yet if the Lord is showing us a different way, we need to let that way of reasoning be undone. And it says we need to take captive our thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. And the process I just shared with you is this, it's the same thing. Sometimes we have to say out loud, in fact, this is how I do it, that No, in Jesus' name, I resist, I repent of that way of thinking. I, I reject that, I rebuke that, and I take it captive, and I make it obedient to what the Word of God says in that situation. Instead of me partnering with that thought, I'm rejecting that thought, And instead, I'm saying, no, in the name of Jesus, I take that thought captive and I make it obedient. And here's what you're going to be obedient to, brain. You're going to be obedient to what the word of God says about that situation. And those thoughts that come to us, any thought that contradicts God is a proud thought. I mean, it's a proud thought. It's exalting itself against the word of God, which by the way is eternal. All this other stuff that's floating around is all going to be gone. But Jesus said his word is eternal. It will never pass away. And we have thoughts all around us every day that are explicitly and openly, boldly, proudly contradicting, trying to contradict how God says life works, how God's the principles that he has given us just boldly contradicting and making fun of you for believing the truth. And, and so we live in this world, you know, we live in this environment and this is just a part of, we want to grow, we want to, we want to reflect him better, we want to bear the fruit of the Spirit our, our thoughts and our words. There's no better way to know. I don't know if that's exactly right, but there's no better way to know what's really going in your heart, going on in your heart, than to listen to the words that come out of your mouth and especially in pressure moments, especially when it's under pressure. And I, I, 
I don't like what comes out of my mouth many times. And, it, and it's just, this is a process for everybody. It's not, you know, again, something comes out and it's like, oh, wow, I needed to know that I was thinking that way or that that affected me that way, that that was, you know, that that had that emotional effect on me. Lord, I need to know what's at the root of that because I don't really want to get rid of that. You know, this is just, this is just growing up in the Lord. It's just uh, part of the process, but I think it's a really important part. Did you get anything out of this this morning? All right, let's, let's pray together. Father, I just want to again thank you, Lord. I, I love, I love the way that you deal with us as your children, the way that you disciple us, the way that you grow us up, Lord. It is just so amazing and so awesome. The, the fact, Lord, that we are not just here saved and waiting, Lord, but we're actually in this process of transformation. We're in this process of having our minds renewed that you have given us your spirit to live on the inside of us and you present us with your word over and over and over and there's so much rich life in it. Lord, and and we want to live in this earth, Father, as those who very absolutely, I don't know a better word than naturally, Lord, that your life just pours out of us. Lord, we don't want to put on a religious air. We want, Lord, to be out there walking the way that you walk. So, so Father, I, I just pray for all of us, Lord, that we would continue to embrace what you were doing in our thoughts and in our words, Lord, that we would, we would continue to give ourselves to this process. And I thank you for the fruit is, that is born from it. I thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. All right, why don't you stand up? Let's get ready to be dismissed. Lots of goodies out there. Hope you will Hang around, fellowship with one another, build some friendships. And as always, we're going to say this on the count of three, that Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. We're going to be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.